Hey, this is Seth Scruggs, co-host of Rewatch. We're very excited to announce that we are going to be premiering a short film called Five Minutes. It was directed by me, and it was produced and written by Zachary Vaughn. We shot it back in December, and we're getting ready to release it on August 28th at 6 p.m. It will be premiering on YouTube as a live premiere. Uh, you can find all the information on Instagram at MarkSpotsTheX Productions. Following the premiere of the film, we are going to be hosting a live Q&A at 6.15 uh, where we're going to talk about the film and you can come out and ask us questions and we'll be excited to answer them. August 28th at 6pm with a Q&A following at 6.15, the premiere of 5 Minutes, a short film by Seth Scruggs and Zachary Vaughn. Hello and welcome to Rewatch. This is the show about movies we love and movies we haven't seen yet. I'm Seth Scruggs and I'm joined by Zachary Vaughn. Hello. And each week, one of us picks a movie that we have seen, but the other hasn't. And we watch it and then we talk about it. And this week, we are talking about Mary Poppins Returns, a movie which you had not seen, Zach. Correct. Um, but I had um, at least once, I think maybe twice, maybe more. Um which I'm sure will have some sort of bearing on the conversation that we have, mm-hmm. as it normally does, because that's the shtick of the show. So, Mary Poppins Returns, uh, if you don't know, is a 2018 movie musical that is the sequel to the 1964 uh, Mary Poppins film starring Julie Andrews. This film stars Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins, as well as Lin-Manuel Miranda, Ben Whishaw, Emily Mortimer, um, along with some special appearances by Meryl Streep and Colin Firth, and Dick Van Dyke, and Angela Lansbury, um, because why not just list all of them? I, it's a it's a good list of actors. Oh, yeah. That's a huge Like, I can't just be like, I can't just not talk about Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. So I felt I felt like that was, that was important to say. Um... So essentially, this movie is about Mary Poppins returning um, to the Banks children. This time, uh, Michael, I'm going to make sure I get that name right. Yeah, Michael uh, has grown up and he has three kids of his own. um, And his wife has recently died and they're about to lose their house. So Mary Poppins shows up and she pushes them all in the right direction. So I had seen this movie. Zach, you hadn't. Uh, I'll let you just kind of talk about your thoughts. So I want to start by saying that I'm not generally a big musical person. Um, they're not usually my to my taste. Um and Again, so, acknowledging our bi- we acknowledge our biases <laughs> here on Rewatch. We need to get that on a t-shirt. I think I think that's the slogan of the show. It's just we'll acknowledge our biases. Mm-hmm. Biases by I. I like by I. It doesn't <laughs> even sound like the word bias anymore. Not at all. Um, anyway, you don't like musicals. That's I don't like musicals. So I 
I thought it was really cool how they did it, uh, how they emulated the original look with a lot of it. Um, there was a lot that was very different, um, that felt very modern. Like it felt, it felt like it was shot in 2018 or when did yeah. it come out? Yeah, 2018. Yeah. It felt, it felt like a 2018 movie. Yeah. But looked like a, it looked like it was in the Mary Poppins universe, which I really liked. Um, mm -hmm. I think the, I think the thing that sells Mary Poppins returns as a sequel to Mary Poppins is that consistency mm -hmm. that the universe that you're in feels the same even though it's evident that it was made much much later mm -hmm. it it feels generally the same and i think that's a very very important element of of this film yeah and like i i have some comments that are directly related to that that i'll probably bring up later but overall it definitely felt like it was shot in the universe with mary poppins um and I thought that was really cool. I really liked the sequence where they were in the bowl. Um, because to me, that was the most Mary Poppins sequence of the entire thing. When they oh, yeah. were in with the hand-drawn animation. Um, I, and that's the thing, and is that, again, that sells it is the hand-drawn animation. Mm -hmm. The fact that it is legitimately... 2d hand-drawn animation mm -hmm. from like legitimate disney artists yeah it yeah it doesn't get much better than that like mm -hmm. at all yeah so i well even even though it's not my like genre of movie i did appreciate all of the effort put into making it fit with the original to make it a viable sequel like to make it a legitimate sequel um and i think they did a great job at making it a sequel yeah i think that um i think it's safe to say neither of us are huge fans of the disney live action remakes um that have i don't know if you've even seen any i've seen what have i seen i've seen beauty and the beast okay I've seen most of the Disney live-action remakes, uh, somewhat to my own chagrin, um, all by choice, but uh, several of which I regret. Um, but what I think that this movie, Mary Poppins Returns, avoids is the trap that so many of the live-action remakes fall into, is that Aladdin... The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast specifically. Uh, we haven't seen Mulan, though it seems different mm -hmm. um, just from trailers. And Cinderella was very different. But Beauty and the Beast, uh, I just totally lost that list. Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, and Aladdin are all essentially shot for shot remakes mm -hmm. of their animated counterparts. Yeah. And obviously, Mary Poppins was a live action movie to begin with. Mm -hmm. So that that's a that's different to begin with. But what sells Mary Poppins Returns is that it isn't trying to be Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. It is trying to evoke the same feeling 
but it is not trying to be the same movie. Right. And um, I think all of the performances here build upon the past performances. I think the music in this film is brilliant. Um, and I think really what this movie does is builds upon the previous movie, which is what a good sequel does. Right. And that's what, that's what makes it a viable sequel mm-hmm. in addition to the stylistic efforts. Yes. Which yeah, are it, painstaking. Oh yeah. Like it was, it was really cool. Like it was cool seeing, like hearing the references. Um, and some mm-hmm. of them I didn't quite appreciate because I don't remember a lot of the mm-hmm. little details from the original Mary Poppins because it's been yeah. years since I've seen it. But yeah, like mentioning Dick Van Dyke's character, um, and then him coming back and playing somebody he played in the original, right? Uh. Yes, I actually think he plays the son of that character, but same oh, idea. Okay. okay, yeah. Same idea. Um and that was really cool. Um mm-hmm. that they were able to do that. Like that's oh, Dick Van Dyke. But um <laughs> My my favorite fact about this movie is that he comes in and he does that little dance right at the end. Mm-hmm. And the choreographers offered him four pieces of choreography to choose from. Uh in like ascending difficulty Mm -hmm. and he looked at the hardest one and said that one and did it with no help Mm -hmm. and that's fantastic yeah um that has no bearing on the rest of this conversation but freaking dick van dyke Mm -hmm. um i went on a little uh dick van dyke rabbit hole rabbit trail (laughs) after watching it and i was like oh man remember all these dick van dyke movies that i haven't seen what a dude. What a dude. Uh, yeah. Um Yeah, so I think I think this movie does well at being a viable sequel, um, for all of that those reasons. Um I wanna jump into the performances really quickly. Um just because I think they're really good. <laughs> uh primarily. Um I wanna talk about Emily Blunt first. Uh what what were your kind of thoughts on that on this one? I thought she was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. She has an amazing voice. Oh, yeah. Um, and is, like, made for music. She's, like, made for musicals. Um, yeah. Because she has the voice. She has the personality. Not, like, a specific personality, but she has enough personality. For sure. Um, to where, like, she's just so energetic and enjoyable to watch um and she she had her she had her own take on mary poppins um Mm -hmm. that i thought was really cool um and like it still felt like mary poppins but it was still different yeah Um, there i feel like there's more of I don't want to say like an edge because I don't feel like that's right necessarily, but it feels like there's more going on underneath the surface of Emily Blunt's Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of there in Julie Andrews. And first of all, I want to say to follow Julie Andrews in a character that she is just 
known for. Like she is iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this is like someone else making a remake of Sound of Music. Yeah. <laughs> and then recasting Julie Andrews. So didn't they do that? Sort of. I don't. <laughs> we don't. We don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> we we it don't talk about it. Yeah, we don't talk about it. <laughs> that one. That one didn't count. It was a it was a weird live musical thing on TV. Yeah. We don't we don't count it. Um, but but you know like re- replacing Julie Andrews is not an easy task. Right. And what I appreciate about Emily Blunt is she said she basically looked at the role and said I'm not going to replace Julie Andrews. I'm going to play it my own way. Mm-hmm. And she's still very much Mary Poppins, and it's still consistent with the character. But she has, I don't know, it feels like, to me, it feels like there's, like, something going on underneath the surface that we're not seeing. Yeah. And I think that that makes the character so much more engaging. Mm-hmm. I agree, yeah. it's It seems a little, like, there are a few more layers that weren't there the first time. Yeah, for sure. So then, moving on to Jack the Lamplighter. Um. Lynn Manuel Miranda is the character, is the actor here who plays this character. <laughs> um, I mean, he's also the character. He also is the character. Um, so I'm curious your thoughts. I have lots of thoughts on this, but I want to I want to hear yours first. So one of my first, one of my thoughts, um, is. And and it can be applied to Dick Van Dyke's character, um, in the first one. Um, why are they in? Why why is he interacting with them? Mm-hmm. Like this, like it takes place in a London that at least appears to be like. Older, but not old. And like in a time, it appears to be in a time that would still have a considerable amount of class discrimination. Mm -hmm. Which I get, like the whole point of Disney movies and Mary Poppins is to like show um, inclusivity. I think that argument could be made. Um, at least for these. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It felt it felt weird because I'm like, this guy has absolutely nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. He's not a chimney sweep. So it's <laughs> not like he's... Like, it's it was nice that he wasn't a, like just a, a carbon copy of Dick Van Dyke's character. For sure. Um, even though he fit the role Dick Van Dyke had in the previous. Um, yeah. Which is something I think we'll get back to. Yeah. But like, it was, it's still confusing. Like why either of them have the relationships they have with Mary Poppins and the kids and like how Jack knew Mary Poppins is shady. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't I don't really have as much issue with that. Um primarily because I I just kind of accept it. Like, well yeah, he knows Mary Poppins because Mary Poppins knows everyone and we're just gonna move on. Um I think I my struggle with this character is that Lin-Manuel Miranda is a great writer. I am a huge fan of Hamilton. Um, I, I like In the Heights as well. Uh, I, I like his work. Um, Moana is great. However, uh, acting, I don't think, is necessarily his strongest suit. And mm-hmm. so coming to this movie, nor, nor do I think that singing is necessarily a strong suit. I think that he's a fine singer. Um, but I think that his skills are really in his writing and his freestyle rapping, um, which is something for another time. <laughs> but I, it took me a moment to, re- to recognize that I wasn't watching Lin-Manuel Miranda the person and that I was watching Jack the character and it took me a little bit longer and you know maybe if it was a less recognizable face maybe if I wasn't had nothing you know didn't know anything about Hamilton or in the Heights or whatever then it would have been a different experience but kind of coming into that my first thoughts were kind of like I okay okay I gotta kind of get into the character once I got into the character I was sold but it took a little bit longer than I would have liked. I think it also doesn't help that he has a debatably convincing Cockney accent. Yeah. Um, which, granted, it's well known that Dick Van Dyke's accent in the first one was bad. It's easy. Lin-Manuel Miranda's is easily better than Dick Van Dyke's. Yes. But still... I mean the the, the it, it 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 it's confusing to me that they cast somebody not British mm-hmm. for such a British role for such a British role like it's confusing for the for the first one but also it's Dick Van Dyke and you could argue that yeah well it's Lin Manuel Miranda um, mm-hmm. but at the same and, time it's like okay is there not like um is there not a British <laughs> person who could fill yeah. that role? Um, yeah, I mean, I think he was coming out of this cultural moment as the star of Hamilton. And literally, like, it, I, it was like he walked off stage and signed the contract for this movie. Okay. Um, it, you know, he, his, his run ended, I want to say 2016, and this movie started shooting early 2017, something yeah. like that. So... I I think, and, and part of what annoyed me a little bit is that it felt like they were hiring the name, mm-hmm. um, and I was worried that he wouldn't pull off the role. I think he did, um, and the second time, kind of knowing what the character was, I was able to latch onto the character more than I was the actor. Yeah. Um. But like, even like, but, Idris Elba. Yeah. Like, he would have been 
Awesome. No, but he had another movie musical to do. It was called Cats. I don't know. Don't know if you heard about it. Was that would that have been shooting then? I hope it would. No, been no, it was not. Because that's a that's even more time and effort for such a box office <laughs> flop. Is how I always describe it. I it's an accurate way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about his character. Is I I would have I think that he did fine. Um, I would have liked to see maybe a different person there. Mm-hmm. Um, someone less noticeable. Um, though, I mean, I guess you could argue that Dick Van Dyke was very noticeable. So I, I think he did well. Um, I, I think it would have been interesting to have him play the kind of Bert role in that Bert straight up addresses the audience at the beginning of the first Mary Poppins movie. Okay. And I I think that that's a fun in a movie that feels like a storybook like these do. I think that that's an okay way to begin. And I think it attaches us to the character that he is not and I think it gives a little bit more context for the character in that he is not just a participant in the story. He's you're kind of to see it through his eyes mm-hmm. and you're, you're kind of following his point of view. Yeah. Um, so I thought that would have been interesting, especially because segue the movie structurally very much resembles the first Mary Poppins movie. Yes. Um, so anyone who's been listening, if this is your first time with us, we're huge structure nerds. Um, I think I think we've talked about the story structure for pretty much every single film that we've talked about. I think so. Yeah, we <laughs> we went we went on about it with the last one with Killing Joke. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, so let's let's talk about it. Why don't we? Um, this the structure for this one. I I don't want to assign all of the acts and all of that. I don't think we yeah. need to break it down that far. But there are some very specific beats that Mary Poppins as a film hits. And this movie hits every single one of them again. Mm-hmm. Um, in very similar ways. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's cool that... Because, like, because it's been so long, I think it's cool. If it's, like, the movie came out ten years ago or, like, two years ago, I think it would have been really, really nauseating almost. Because um, mm-hmm. it would have been, like, really? Like, you, it's the same movie. Like, for example, um, uh, a lot of plot points in uh Star Wars The Force Awakens um are like point for point like <laughs> a new hope and or return of the Jedi. Um they're basically the same movie. Yeah. Um which cool movie 
but like I don't know. Uh, this isn't about the Force Awakens. Um, but like, we'll get uh, there eventually. Yeah, because because it take it takes place so long after the original. I think it's cool, and I think it's almost helpful because it's tying it better to the original. Um, and it, it's like not in a bad way. It's a safer way of connecting them. Yeah. And it builds. And I think that's the key thing is that what they do with this movie is they take those same similar points. They mix in some new things and some new elements, but then they also are adding things and making them different enough. The only scene, you know, it's the connections are not hard to make. Uh, Topsy is very much connected to I Love to Laugh uh, the Lamplighter uh, Triple Little Light Fantastic is very similar uh, to the Chimney Sweeps scene mm-hmm. in uh, in the first one uh, Royal Dalton Music Hall very connected to Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious um, but on that note you know they didn't try to recreate supercalifragilisticexpialidocious mm-hmm. like they didn't they didn't try and do something just like that where they're like we're gonna make this catchy thing from this one right um and you know where the where the lost things go you could probably connect to feed the birds but the the tone and what those songs are saying is very different mm-hmm. um and, and i and i think that's what what makes it effective is it remixes this it's the same ideas same concepts but it reassigns and recontextual recontextualizes them Mm -hmm. and i think that's the biggest thing that kind of the biggest victory of mary poppins returns is it recontextualizes all of these things that we we are familiar with and gives them new meaning Mm -hmm. that said i think that the topsy sequence could go just that's a that's a total side note i think the topsy sequence could go yeah um i it's fun but i think if if i had to pick a scene that doesn't move the story along and is just there to exist because the scene idea was cool it's Mm -hmm. it's that one yeah Um, to quote screenwriter, director Christopher McQuarrie, it could go, so it went. Except that's not true about this scene, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I think that taking those ideas and building, and musically, this film sounds very similar, and there are those songs that hit the same beats. But I think musically, this film is incredibly strong. I don't know how much you paid paid attention to that in this. Um, I I I agree. Uh, I think I think my favorite song was the musical, um, not sure. the one in in the musical on the way to the musical. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna be honest. I didn't know the name of it, so I don't know the actual name of the song. <laughs> 
but um i really like that one um yeah it was it was and it sounded like mary poppins the music did yeah yeah i think one of my favorite elements of the film and i haven't seen the original mary poppins in a long time so i can't say for certain whether or not they do this but one of my favorite elements of mary poppins returns and something i picked up more on the second time around was the use of themes to connect characters um so like every time that specifically with mary poppins every time she kind of does something a strain from can you imagine that place okay and even even if she's in the middle of another song or something like that you get this you get this note of um can you imagine that and i think that that is such a subliminal thing uh musicals do it a lot Mm -hmm. um where you have a character who will sing something in the same refrain multiple times i'm probably not using the right musical terms but you know but and and i think that's really something that this film does well is you have these musical strains assigned to a character so -hmm. when that character does something you know it's the same reason that we associate the imperial march with something dark and ominous Mm -hmm. or you know uh the force theme with luke skywalker um it's you know john williams kills it at creating themes and this movie does that as well where Mm -hmm. we're connected to these characters uh through these songs especially in a musical i think that's important um because it it allows us you know more insight Mm -hmm. and you know musicals allow us to kind of hear what people are thinking in a more direct way um which is always good what were the things that kind of held you back from liking it as much as you could what the heck is wrong with georgie (laughs) like how is he so different from his siblings like they're not that older than him no, he's just the third. Yeah. But like he he's so excessively his own person. Like Georgie, like think about it for a second. You're I guess I guess 2 or 3 years at that age is a very significant difference. Well, I think two or three years when your siblings are like a year um, is can be a significant difference. Yeah. But like, Georgie, just, just calm down and go to the freaking grocery store <laughs> with your siblings. It's not that hard and stay off the grass. Like, um. Well, I think, I think the point is that because the movie is really about childlike wonder and maintaining yes. that. And I think the point is that his siblings have lost that a little bit in taking care of their father. Mm-hmm. But he really hasn't gotten to the point that he's taking care of his father. Right. So he's still kind of is maintaining that childhood innocence. Yes. 
but um, yeah um yeah so that that was one of my main frustrations is like georgie can you just stay in one place <laughs> um, just stop for a second just stop which just honestly is probably breathe. gonna be my philosophy as a parent <laughs> can you just stay in one place um i'm i'm ready to see how that one works out how that <laughs> plays out uh <laughs> but uh one one of the things uh i mentioned uh this is going back to what i said i would talk about earlier from later no <laughs> i mentioned i would talk about this so i'm gonna uh that's what i'm talking about now um one thing that felt off to me well the whole thing in general did feel almost uncanny valley Mm -hmm. which is weird because like it's not not in the actual term for uncanny valley more like the fact that it's a sequel of a movie made in the 60s and it looked like it was shot like in the same places but it was not shot using 60s equipment Mm mm-hmm made it feel like an uncanny valley sequel that makes sense that makes sense yeah okay yeah i think okay this is gonna sound weird but i think the biggest thing to me was being able to see the ceilings because the sets a lot of what it looks like to me and in my memory of the um original mary poppins film a lot of the sets have they look like sets in mm-hmm. that there's no fourth wall and it doesn't look like there's a ceiling. So it kind of feels like it goes up forever. Mm-hmm. But in this, like you can see the ceilings and you can see, you know, you see the walls and it's built more like a practical house mm-hmm. that threw me off the first time. And there's more. And again, the lighting, there's more shadow in this film. Yes. And that, that threw me. Yeah. Um, it was very crisp, which, mm-hmm. not in response to, like, whether stuff's in or out of focus, but, like, um, hold on. I'm going to see what it was shot in. I think it's 4K. Well, I'm saying, like, specifically the camera. Oh, gotcha. I think that the resolution on Netflix is 4K. Like, it yeah. is. Okay. I think it's So, it, this was shot on, among other things, the, the main the main rig was an Arri Alexa Mini, which is a digital camera. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with digital cameras. I have no specific attachment to film cameras. But the crispness of the digital cinema camera versus film cinema camera as a sequel combined with modern cinematography, modern camera moves, modern advances in technology that allowed the camera to move in ways that either it couldn't or it would have been impractical to have done then. Mm-hmm. 
and things that they incorporated using that stuff is what made it feel different. Um, and mm-hmm. with what you mentioned about the um, like holistic sets um, mm-hmm. where it's not just all right, we're going to look at it from this wall and we're going to angle it a little bit every now and then, but other than that, it's pretty much only seeing this side of the room. It's, no, like, this is a 3D space where you could see any part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that All of that added together made it feel off. Barely. Yeah. I mean, the first time that I watched it, I thought it was a different house that they were in. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't pick up that it was the same house as the first one, simply because of the look of it looking so different. Mm-hmm. It just it took me a second. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's what it is. I think that there's there's an openness and an open-endedness to a lot of the sets and how those feel um, when you're watching them and when you have no shadows and then you replace that with a lot of shadow um, which I prefer as a look but that's a whole other thing Um, yeah it can be it can be really off-putting and hard to connect Mm -hmm. I think one of the main, to summarize, uh, <laughs> the main thing that made it almost a little bit uncomfortable um, was the first Mary Poppins was shot in a time where not everything was go- going for like a super, super extra realism. Um And specifically, Mary Poppins had a sort of surrealism to it. And then you come into modern film, and it is more focused on the realism, oftentimes. Oftentimes not, but like, like you have holistic set, uh, heavy shadows, realistic lighting, versus you can see everything. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, i mean there there are no shadows yeah in mary poppins no at all. um and so that like that style difference is what made me a little uncomfortable at the beginning that makes sense i mean i think that that's a fair i don't know if critique but yeah i mean i think that's a fair thing to say about this film and that's not saying like it's bad because of that. It's just no, that yeah. it it made me feel a little uneasy in in, in a weird way because like it's like it didn't make me nervous or anything. But like it it felt weird being in the Mary Poppins universe, not seeing it in the Mary Poppins style. And really, those are the only elements of the film that don't feel like the original right and i think that's probably another thing is that we're hearing the mary poppins music and it sounds similar 
where you see Mary Poppins and she's acting similar. We're hitting all these story beats and they feel familiar and similar. We're going to the bank. It's similar. But something doesn't look quite right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's enough to kind of kind of mess with you about it. So, yeah, I agree. Boom. So, uh, what would you rate this movie? I would, uh, I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd. Okay. Um, I'm not going to give it a five, partially because I am not into musicals enough to be able to tell whether it's a five out of five. (laughs) Um, and also there's the stylistic things that set it off from being the kind of sequel that I wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, would you rewatch this movie at any point? Probably. I think this would be really fun to watch when I do have kids. With them. yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I uh, I gave this movie a four and a half. Um, mainly the that the four for like the same reasons as you. Um, though I was less put off by the stylistic changes. Um, you know, I think that there were some simplistic story beats that they hit. I, I really, the topsy scene, uh, which is the scene with Meryl Streep, I, it just doesn't fit into the film. I don't think, uh, yeah. like I said earlier, I think it's the only scene that you cannot really justify why it's there in a story reason other than, well, they have to take care of this bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the the length of that scene is just not needed at all um that said i um i enjoy the rest of the film even though sometimes treads some of the story same story beats as the first um and then just an extra half star for being a good time (laughs) um and just being enjoyable and uh you know made me feel warm and fuzzy so i like it Uh, do you want to uh, recommend something for us, Zach? I sure do. I knew you would. My recommendation is from the same time frame as the OG Mary Poppins. And OG. it has somebody from the Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, man. My is recommendation. It, uh, are you are you trying on. to guess? Well, I was gonna say, is it Murder She Wrote with Angela Lansbury? It is not, but it is with Angela Lansbury. <laughs> it's Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Oh, it's fun. it's kind of the British, <laughs> the British. Well, I guess because they're in Britain, but Disney's America. <laughs> it's the British British nanny, <laughs> um, <laughs> who helps kids open their minds um to another side of the world only this one's just flat out witchcraft um, excellent excellent that's how we prefer it yeah um it's really fun i i used to watch this movie like a ton a ton when i was a kid um that, that's not when i expected for you to just watch a ton as a kid right but <laughs> <laughs> But I, I loved it. Um, 
there's the the third act is amazing um i'm already going into the acts and actually it's just a recommendation but yeah the the end is really cool there's a bunch of uh reanimated suits of armor and that's my favorite part and there's bagpipes and it's british and it's awesome all right your turn (laughs) cool i'll suggest something that i watched uh fairly recently uh in the last week or so uh i watched tootsie for the first time have you seen tootsie I have not, but the name literally always makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Someone else told me that recently too. I think uh, it was me. Was it you? I was. I said. I said it. I said it when you were texting me about it. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, so I'm not gonna act like I discovered Tootsie or like I'm the first person to ever say that it's good. It's on the AFI Top 100. Uh, it's one of those that I'd been meaning to see for a while. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a good satire. It's Dustin Hoffman, Bill Murray. Um, and yeah, I think that it, it says a lot of interesting things about like, uh, feminism and women's roles and, uh, how men treat women. And it's very, very fascinating. Um, in that regard, it's also pretty funny and light and nice. So I liked it. So with that, uh, I guess it's time for you to give us a preview of what we're watching for next week. Yes, it is. Of which I also don't know. <laughs> um, I've been trying to think. Uh, I'm trying to figure out. I haven't seen any of these yet, so I'll have to watch them twice. Um, but I, I, I either want to do, um, do the right thing, get out. Or if Beale Street could talk. Okay. Gotcha. I know oh, that I'm going to be watching Do the Right Thing. <laughs> gotcha. But you'd have to watch it twice. I'd have to. And I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm like totally down for that. But do okay. you have a preference between those? Have you seen any of those? I have not seen any of those. Okay. Let's do Do the Right Thing. Because that's a okay. more appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> like they're they're all they're all super appropriate for right now um yeah but... and i think probably the week after that we'll do blind spotting okay. um which is dude dude <laughs> anyway we'll 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 get there when we get there yeah we can do do the right thing i'm okay. down Let me... i mean all the thing is what's nice about it is that all of those are fairly appropriate as well just in general yeah. Yeah. They're, I think they're all rated R, but they're not hard R's. So. Yeah. Okay. So next week, we will be going over Do the Right Thing, which is a 1989 movie directed and written by the one, the only Spike Lee. It is a Spike Lee joint. I don't appreciate your silence. That that's just that's how all of his films begin. That's how they say. It. That's what they say at the beginning. That's Spike fine. Lee like, I I just I didn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Yeah. So, well, that sounds good. Uh, hey, uh, remember if you're listening to this, you should follow me on Instagram, and you can follow me on Letterboxd too if you're into that sort of thing. 
Um, it's a hipster social network, so I I may be cooler than you. Uh, but I am at Seth Scruggs on Instagram, at Seth in Scruggs on Letterboxd. Zach is at Bashful Coyote on Instagram and Twitter. He is also on Letterboxd as Zachary Vaughn on Letterboxd. Is that right? Hi. <laughs> yes. Cool. So he's at Zachary Vaughn on Letterboxd. You can also follow Mark Spots the X Dot Productions. Um, that's where you can find out uh, all the stuff that we do because we make other things other than this podcast occasionally when we can and when we can, you know, have groups of people larger yeah. than 10 together. If, uh, if it seems like we don't, eventually we will. <laughs> so uh, that's great. Uh, you can check us out on all those places. Thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, if you would, if you've made it this far, then uh, you can uh, follow us on all of the places uh, that you get your podcast and you can leave us a little rating or like a comment or something. That'd be very nice of you. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, and I think that's all. I think I'm done pitching the show at the end of it. So, uh, Zach, I'll see you next week. All right. See you.